Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Okay, it's 24 May, Sunday. It's not the last Sunday of the month, though. We have one more, which will be the 31st. And uh, it's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. We've got uh, just two quick announcements. The first one, I'm sure everybody in the United States knows about it, but I'm going to read it anyway. Trump announces that houses of worship are essential, and he calls on governors to open them up. Now, apparently, he can't legally do anything to make them do that, but he is saying they are essential. And so uh, now they are in a pickle because I just read an article, the perverse nature of uh, uh, this world. There's a male prostitute brothel, I think it's in Michigan, that is considered essential, and the uh, churches are not. So there you go with that. This is the liberal mentality in this world. Um, And then the second thing is I would like to say congratulations to my friend, his Robert Flick. And uh, he's a good guy, and he got married this past weekend to a beauty. I saw the photos, and uh, her name is Anna. And so I want to just wish them a really, really happy life together. And so there you go. That's just my plug to uh, those two wonderful people. And then our first category, as always, is Israel. And this is going to be pretty much the entire subject of our Israel category today. After the first article, the first article, after 508-day crisis, Israel's new government is finally sworn in by the Knesset. Good job there. But based on that and the decisions that they are now going to be making, everything is going to follow the same pattern. Times of Israel, Pompeo, new government has a right and an obligation to decide if and how to annex. He is still standing firm on that issue. The incoming Israeli government has the right and obligation to decide if and how it wants to apply sovereignty over the West Bank. We had a good conversation about how to go forward. They will need to find a way together to proceed. I reminded them that at the end of the day, this is an Israeli decision. They will have both the right and the obligation to make a decision on how they are going to do it. From the Times of Israel, Israeli envoys said trying to get U.S. okay for swift annexation, Biden could win. We must advance annexation now because we don't know what will happen in the U.S. presidential elections. Biden could win, Dermer said in closed briefings in Washington. If he wins, it's going to show the utterly corrupt nature of this nation and the brain deadness of it. But we'll see what happens. From the um, Times of Israel again, taking defense ministry, Gantz says he will promote all aspects of Trump peace plan. Okay, so that means annexation. This is Gantz who will be the prime minister. He's taking the defense ministry position right now when Netanyahu is out, I believe, in two years. As that, he'll step down from that position to a lower position, and Gantz will be the prime minister. But he is saying he will promote all aspects of the Trump peace plan. From the Times of Israel, new foreign minister Ashkenazi endorses Trump peace plan as historic opportunity. Incoming top diplomat says the deal could shape Israel's borders, but annexation should be advanced responsibly in keeping with Jerusalem's strategic interests. From Haaretz, UK Lords Committee calls to limit Israel's economic access if 
annexation goes ahead. So obviously the UK is standing on a different side. In a strongly worded letter to the Foreign Office Minister, International Relations Committee says annexation, as described in Netanyahu-Gantz deal, warrants economic consequences. From the Times of Israel, EU says it won't recognize unilateral Israeli annexation in the West Bank. So the EU is against it. The EU's top diplomat warned Israel against annexing parts of the West Bank, saying the bloc would not recognize any changes to the 1967 lines not agreed upon in a peace deal between the Israelis and the Palestinians. In a statement congratulating Israel on the formation of a new government, Joseph Borrell also said that the EU was willing to help restart long-dormant peace talks between Israel and the Palestinian Authority, which is something that Trump has already done, and they don't like that. International law is a fundamental pillar of the international rules-based order. In this respect, the EU and its member states recall that they will not recognize any changes to the 1967 borders unless agreed by Israelis and Palestinians, Borrell said, adding that the two-state solution with Jerusalem as a future capital for both states is the only way to ensure sustainable peace and stability in the region. Okay, the U.S. disagrees with them on that statement, but that's where it stands with that from the times of Israel. Jordan's king warns of massive conflict if Israel annexes land in the West Bank. And they're right on the border. They have a peace deal with Israel, and now they're warning them. Jordan's king Abdullah is warned that should Israel move forward with plans to annex parts of the West Bank, it would lead to a massive conflict with his country and did not rule out pulling out of Amman's peace deal with the Jewish state. What would happen if the Palestinian National Authority collapsed? There would be more chaos and extremism in the region. If Israel really annexed the West Bank in July, it would lead to a massive conflict with the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan, he said, when asked by his interviewer about Prime Minister Netanyahu's intention to take advantage of the opportunity that Trump has created to seize large parts of Palestine. I don't want to make threats and create an atmosphere of loggerheads, but we are considering all options. We agree with many countries in Europe and the international community that the law of strength should not apply in the Middle East, the king added. And yeah, exactly, exactly. The uh, king added when asked if his country, one of the only two Arab nations, along with Egypt, to have signed a peace deal with Israel could suspend that treaty. So far, Egypt has been mum on this. So we'll see where that goes times of Israel. Saudi Arabia condemns Israeli plans for annexation in the West Bank. Uh, hold on on that thought, though. I'll read you something a little later about Saudi Arabia uh, that may not bear as heavily as it is. They have to say things in open. They will say things behind the, the screen at other times. So Saudi Arabia openly condemns it at this point. Times of Israel, Russia, the United Nations, and the Vatican condemn unilateral Israeli annexation plan. So you can see the whole world is against us except the United States, which tells us that we are doing the right thing. Okay. <laughs> Times of Israel, one more indication of that for sure. 18 Democrat senators warn annexation will damage, erode U.S.-Israeli relations. They don't know what they're talking about, and we can ignore them. From Christian News Today. I've been getting email after email after email about the vaccinations that are going to be forced on the United States of America that President Trump has said that he'll bring out the military. I talked about that last week. He is not bringing out the military to force vaccinations on us. He's bringing out the military. That statement was to indicate that the military would participate in that. I said that last week, but another thing that is tied in with this is everybody is saying that this forced vaccination is the mark of the beast. 
I would like to tell you that that is incorrect. And there's a reason why that is. Does anybody know what the reason we know that this forced vaccination is not the mark of the beast? Can anybody tell me? Well, we're still here. That's one thing. That's true because we are, because this is what the Bible teaches, not because we are just simply a, a bunch of kooks. We are a pre-tribulation rapture-believing church because that's what the Bible teaches. So we're not going to be here for that anyway. We are not going to be forced into the mark of the beast. But the reason why these vaccinations have nothing to do with the mark of the beast is that it is in the right hand or the forehead. And unless you're planning on getting vaccinated in your forehead, you've got the wrong thing going on. Okay, so we'll leave it at that. Please don't worry about these things. Don't panic. Don't pull your face. Don't get in, you know, hide in your house and be worried about these things. It is not going to happen to us. We will be out of here before this is forced on the world. That is what the Bible teaches. If you don't know that, I've got the videos. Send me an email and I'll send you those videos. But videos that I've done, I'm not going to send them from somebody else. Anyway, um, also before we get into our Christian category, last week I said that I might write uh, the judge in Kentucky who made the decision to have them open their churches because the Constitution says nothing else than that. And I did. I wrote it. My friend Trent sent me an email while I was at church. I got home and it says, don't forget to write the judge. Judge Tattenhoff, a very short note to commend you on your recent decision concerning the ban on mass gatherings in Kentucky. I read the commentary to the church this past Sunday and all applaud your decision. Yes, the Constitution will endure because of decisions like yours. May the Lord bless you and prosper you as you seek his face. Signed by me. So there you go. Um, Christian News, LifeSite. New Zealand allows crowds to return to malls, restaurants, but not churches. As part of a phased-in relax... Does anybody know what the capital of New Zealand is? Christchurch, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it's named after the Savior, okay? Uh, this is a country that once held the biblical values, so here you go with that. As part of a phased-in relaxing of the nationwide shutdown, the government of New Zealand has passed new legislation in the law that allows only 10 people to attend religious service while allowing 100 people to gather in other public places such as restaurants, shopping centers, and movie theaters. And that, we know that movie theaters do not transmit COVID-19, whereas churches do. We know that. That's science. So <laughs> the legislation has now made it through all three readings in Parliament and has been granted royal assent at the last minute. Funerals were granted a small carve-out allowing a maximum of 50 people because there are already dead people there, so it doesn't matter, right? Okay, to gather for no longer than two hours. More significantly, the revised measures that were supposed to be in full force for two years will now be up for review every 90 days. The legislation known as the COVID-19 Public Health Response Bill was allowed to pass despite a public outcry, which there should be. There ought to be riots in the streets over this. Interventions by some members of parliament, including the launch of a petition and a joint effort of New Zealand Catholic and Anglican bishops urging the government to increase the limit on attendees at religious services. Now, I've said this before. I have never had any change in my life with this, this thing. My life has been exactly the same. I take care of them all, and apparently um, yard work has been essential all along. All yard, you've seen them out cutting and mowing because they're essential. Okay, so that didn't change my life, and I have to take care of them all in 7-Eleven and cleaning, so that's all essential as well, okay? And then after that, I uh, come to church, and I do that, and that's essential, and whatever, Everything, nothing in my life changed except the email load because people are sitting home with nothing to do and so they're sending me a lot of emails. Okay, so my life has not changed. But if there is another lockdown like this in the future and some part of my life changes, 
It will not change. I refuse. I want you to know that now in advance. I refuse to participate in any such thing. I will not have my liberties taken away because the government tells me I have to do this or that or one thing or another. It is not going to happen. Like I said, it's thankful that I did not have to change anything, but I refuse absolutely to bend the knee to a state that tells you you cannot exercise your freedom of religion, freedom of assembly, freedom of speech, etc., etc., all the way down. Okay, do what you want with that, but that is my stand on this. From CBS, more than 12,000 Catholic churches in the United States applied for PPP loans, and 9,000 of them got it. This is a church that was going belly up anyway. This has nothing to do with the uh, COVID-19 virus. They were going belly up anyway. Many of the, uh, what do they call them, dioceses, are in very bad financial uh, shape because of what's been going on within the Catholic Church. But here we go. As suffering small businesses around the country clamor for much-needed loans, and rightfully so because they're earning a living and they're doing something productive for the society from the Federal Paycheck Protection Program, news of prominent national chains receiving millions of dollars sparked an outcry among owners of small businesses who have been shut out. Now, many will likely be surprised to learn that between 12 and 13,000 of the 17,000 Catholic churches in the United States also applied for those coveted PPP loans. I think that ought to not be allowed, but Pat Markey, the executive director of the Diocesan Fiscal Management Conference, an association of finance officers from Catholic dioceses, estimates that around 6,000 Catholic parishes had their applications for federal funding approved in the first round of PPP, and 3,000 have received loans so far in the second round. So they can continue to do the things that they have been doing, which are unscriptural, which are harmful to children, etc., because the government is giving them loans. From Reuters. Coronavirus drains Vatican coffers as income falls, deficits loom. Late last month, the Vatican announced the coronavirus pandemic had forced Pope Francis to postpone an annual fundraising campaign among Catholics worldwide to help him carry out his ministry. Do you know who the largest holder of real estate on this planet is? It's the Catholic Church. That's correct. The delay of Peter's Pence by more than three months to the first weekend in October has come at a especially bad time as other revenues, notably from the Vatican Museums, slow to a trickle. The pandemic has wreaked havoc with the Vatican's finances, forcing it to dip into reserve funds and implement some of the toughest cost control measures ever in the tiny city state. I uh, really have no sympathy at all on them. None. You know, it, this, is, this is something that uh, we've talked about this particular church in the past. Other churches, uh, I mentioned uh, Hillsong over in Australia, $130 million a year budget, and they're asking for more money from their people that are out of work. This is not the time to be doing that. This is the time to allow your people to save, allow your people to uh, be able to support themselves through this and not beat tithing, which is not a biblical precept in any way, shape, or form on your people. Okay, if you don't understand that, I'll say it again, as I have many times. Tithing in the Old Testament was giving away 10% every, every three years. Not every year. The first two years of tithing in the Old Testament, you were to take your tithe and you were to go down to Jerusalem and you were to have a big party for your family and worship the Lord and celebrate in his presence. That is what you were to do with your first two years of tithes. The third year, the year of tithing was to be given away for the the widows, the orphans, the Levites who have no income among you, etc. No inheritance among you. All right. That is the biblical standard of tithing. And even that is no longer to be taught in the 
New Testament church because that's a part of the law of Moses. That's correct. The law of Moses is annulled. It is set aside. It is obsolete according to the book of Hebrews, and it is nailed to the cross according to Paul. All right, so these things need to be reminded to people constantly. Tithing is not something that you, what you have been told is probably not true, and these churches that are doing this to their people are harming them. They're not helping them in any way, shape, or form. So that's uh, where we stand with that. And if you want the references to that, I will give them to you right now. It's Deuteronomy 14, starting in verse 22. Read to the end of the chapter, okay? The next one is Deuteronomy 26, verse 12. In the third year, the year of the tithe. And the last one is in Amos 4, verse 4. And that says, you bring your tithes every three. And then the word can be translated either as years or days, okay? The word is yamim. Some translations incorrectly translate it as days. That's not right. He is referring to the law of Moses, Deuteronomy 26, 12, and therefore it is every three years. So those are your three references. The Lord didn't tell you just once. He told you twice. He told you three times. Okay. So tithing is not something that you should be, have beaten over your head. Okay. But even if you do, what is the one thing that Paul says to do in the New Testament? Give with a glad heart, give cheerfully, give willingly. And if you are being told that you have to give, then you are violating the New Testament precept because that is prescriptive for the church. You are violating that when you are telling somebody they should be tithing. So there you go with that. I'm all done with that particular uh, uh, thing. And then we have, um, let's see here, CBN. Pastors might need, and this is probably going to make all of you so happy, pastors might need to make changes to sermon lengths after lockdown ends. That's not going to happen at this church. If you get excited over this, I'm sorry. Now, I will tell you, last week and this week and one or two more coming up in Deuteronomy are only 22 pages instead of 25 or 26, okay? That's because of the size of the passage, and it's a logical place to make a sermon out of. So we're a couple minutes. I actually had somebody. I'm not kidding. This is true. Becky in Colorado told me her husband, Mark, was depressed after church ended last week. He said it was too short. Thank you for people that love the Word of God. Thank you. I was so happy to hear that. That that I've been tickled all week over that, and I've been thinking I've got to lengthen things here and keep talking so that you guys get a full measure. Okay. Pastors might need to make changes to sermon lengths after lockdown ends. Attending church from home brings with it its own set of problems, including people constantly looking at the time in the corner of the tablet or computer they're watching the worship service on. Nobody should do that. Look at the notes of the sermon, and that's all you should be looking at. And as it turns out, pastors and the people filling the pews, or these days joining the Facebook live chat, have very different perspectives on just how long a sermon lasts. Most Protestant pastors, 54% think their sermons last between 20 and 30 minutes, and 85% say they are confident they don't go over 40 minutes. Only 14% believe their messages run longer than 40 minutes. But among those who attend Protestant churches, 32% think their pastor sermons are circling an hour in length. As churches restart in-person worship services and other church activities, many are calling for churches to refocus on the essentials. Now listen to what he just said. Refocus on the essentials. The sermon is the essential. It's the Word of God. If they're preaching it properly, it should be directly out of the Word of God, and it should be about the Word of God, nothing else. And they're saying you need to refocus on the essentials. 
Prior what? Can't yeah, you can't, can't sing. Can't, so you can't hug. That's so. it. Prior to the pandemic, that would have meant shorter sermons for some churchgoers. Absolutely not. Churchgoers report sermons over 40 minutes in both small and large churches, but that could be related to different definitions of what elements of the church are included in the sermon. For example, pastors may give announcements, do scripture reading, and conduct an altar call surrounding the sermon, which you should be doing every week because somebody might be watching that has never heard of Jesus and they need to be told about Jesus. I'm not talking about an altar call come up and show yourself in front of the church. I'm talking about telling people why they need Jesus. So when churches start filling the pews again, pastors might need to make a concerted effort to tighten the length of their morning messages. Once again, that's not going to happen here. If you're all excited about that article, don't be. Um, and having said that, um, we uh, will be having a double sermon today. We'll be ending at 1.30 instead of 12.30. Okay, from, oh, you know what? One thing I'll say is because we got people that are watching right now, a prophecy update. And the prophecy update is a part of a church service, and it's not the main part. The main part is the Word of God. And so if you watch prophecy updates during the week, you definitely need to start watching sermons as well. And I would challenge you to start with Genesis 1-1, and you can go through 140 or so of our sermons in Genesis, and you will now know the book of Genesis instead of saying the book of Genesis says when it doesn't say that at all, okay? And then you can go into Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and then you can start in with us on Deuteronomy because we're going to be in here for quite a while. As a matter of fact, uh, Deuteronomy, I think it's 4 verse 1, will be an entire sermon all by itself. That's coming up soon. And so when I sent the sermon list to Doug over in Ireland, because he paints a painting graciously for every sermon we do, he said, I see we're taking the uh, long term going through Deuteronomy. <laughs> he sounded a little worried about that. But anyway, um, yes, stay in the Word of God. Forget prophecy updates, except the one from the Superior Word, and maybe one other, and then get into the Word of God. From Islam today, JNS, Abbas, if Israel annexes a single centimeter, all agreements with Israel and the U.S. are canceled. In an address posted to Palestinian TV's Facebook page, Abbas said that there is no agreement on the source of the coronavirus pandemic and that no serious effort is being made to find a vaccine or treatment for it. He added that in the midst of the COVID-19 crisis, the Palestinian Authority has also had to deal with the U.S. admin's peace plan and the potential Israeli annexation of the Jordan Valley and parts of Judea and Samaria. The Israelis still haven't officially declared the annexation of the Jordan Valley, of the Dead Sea, of the settlements, and of the Cave of the Patriarchs, said Abbas, adding, they are now focusing, and I am saying this with the present, the Israeli government is now focusing on the Cave of the Patriarchs. They want to take a few square meters to do something. This, said the Palestinian Authority leader, would be considered the beginning of the annexation. Therefore, if Israel announces that it plans to annex even a single centimeter of the Cave of the Patriarchs, the settlements of the Jordan River, we will consider ourselves to be no longer bound by the agreements that we have signed with them and with the Americans. Why the Americans? Because they are the ones who brought the deal of the century and they are the ones who inspired the Israelis to go on with annexation. They are the ones who pushed them towards this. Okay, so there you go with that. And he's a pot full of hot air because he's always threatening to do this. But with this one, if they do, so what? Israel hasn't lost a thing. Big deal. From JNS, Biden, good job, Biden, pledges to reopen the PLO mission and resume U.S. assistance to Palestinians. They pay their people to kill people. They did it to American citizens in Israel. And Biden says, we're going to start that up again. We're going to pay to slay Israelis. 
Former U.S. Vice President Joe Biden said that if elected president, he would reopen the PLO diplomatic mission in Washington, D.C. and restore U.S. assistance to the Palestinian Authority. The presumptive 2020 Democrat presidential nominee also reiterated that he would reopen the U.S. consulate in eastern Jerusalem, which primarily served the Palestinians. A priority now for the cause of Israeli-Palestinian peace should be resuming our dialogue with the Palestinians and pressing Israel to not take actions that make a two-state solution impossible. This guy ought to have his brain scooped out with an ice cream scooper. The Trump administration has virtually cut off all U.S. assistance to the Palestinian Authority due to Ramallah's pay-to-slay program, rewarding terrorists and their families. The PLO mission was closed in October 2018. Biden has already pledged to keep the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem, a move that was made from Tel Aviv in May 2018, five months after President Trump recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Now, I'd like to say that you remember when Trump said that he was going to do this. He was going to recognize Israel's right and all that, and then we're going to move the embassy. What did every nation on the planet say? It's the worst thing in the world. There's going to be wars. There's going to be death. There's going to be mayhem, and we're going to not recognize Israel, and on and on and on, and none of it happened none of it. So what they are proposing now in the Trump administration, the same effects will result. Okay, just have a little trust. Israel today, Saudi Arabia turns against the Palestinians. For decades, the Arab world maintained a fiery hostility towards Israel and a widespread belief that Palestine must be liberated at all costs. It was easy to do in the pre-internet era when the people at large, the so-called Arab street, could be kept in ignorance regarding the facts of the situation. Now, as average Arabs become increasingly informed about Israel and its conflict with the Palestinians, sentiments have shifted somewhat, at least among those not driven entirely by the notion of a holy war. But how could that happen? The Palestinian cause was for so long the centerpiece of regional Arab politics. The change has a lot to do with the behavior of the Palestinians themselves. The Palestinians have not contributed anything. We can say that they are emotional people whose behavior is governed by their feelings. Indeed, for the entire Muslim world, the Palestinian cause has always been based on emotions and religious convictions, despite Western efforts to paint it as mostly a political problem. That the Jews today exercise sovereignty over lands once under the dominion of Islam is seen by pious Muslims as an affront. But at some point, strategic national interests start to trump religious convictions. People say out in the open that they do not care about the Palestinian cause and about the Arabs in general, and that we must steer our relations in keeping with our interests. It is in our strategic interest and in keeping with our future economic interests to maintain real relations with Israel. Israel is an advanced country and we can benefit from it. In other words, a Palestinian state offers nothing to the rest of the region while it has been demonstrated that relations with Israel are beneficial. Zero Hedge, did you ever think you'd hear that article? Ever? No. no. Two years ago, I never would have thought it. Zero Hedge, Europe's COVID-19 chaos, lockdown for locals, amnesty for illegals. European governments are using the coronavirus pandemic to grant mass amnesty to hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants from Africa, Asia, and the Middle East, while Europe is experiencing an economic shock without precedent. And tens of millions of Europeans have lost their livelihoods. Migrants in Europe illegally are being showered with free housing 
and healthcare. And this is exactly what would be happening here. It is happening in liberal states, but it would be happening here nationwide if the left controlled this nation. From the religion of peace, our final Ramadan bombathon, day 30, 168 attacks, 709 killed from the religion of peace during their supposed, well, their actual unholy month. From Mongolia, from trains.com, railroad construction forges ahead in Mongolia despite coronavirus concerns. You know, train tracks, they put them all over America and they've been tearing up train tracks now for about 40 years that are just used, okay? Do you know where the green poles, that you use them all over the place, they're green, they got a poke on the bottom, you hammer them in and then you take fence and put it around those things. You know where those come from? From railroad tracks. I saw it on how you make it, okay? They said that we have been pulling up train tracks for 40 years and we still have so many train tracks will never be done with this and our company gets all of this metal, this good quality metal to make those. So that's where those things come from. It shows you the industry of this nation. The point is that we had an industry that built this nation and so much so in such a short amount of time that they are 40 years later still making those green things so that you can have garden things to keep out the uh, rodents and stuff. Fences, yeah. absolutely. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, fences, get borders out, can't have fences. Anyway, railroad.com, construction more than 400 miles and rail line continues in southern Mongolia despite threats posed by coronavirus. The new lines connect two settlements in the south part of the country with the border with China. One of the settlements, Tavan Tolgoy, reportedly has significant coal deposits, so they need to have those trains out there. The construction was the focus of a visit by Mongolia's president, Batulga. Good job, Mongolia. Daniel 12 Technology Today. New facial recognition software predicts you're a criminal based on your looks. Now, I know this is terrible, and I know this can be misused, okay? But we had something similar to this about two years ago, and I gave my opinion, and nobody slaughtered me over it. I have no problem if they use something like this. Somebody walks into Walmart and they know that they're going to commit a crime, then they should watch them. That's how you save money. I don't care. Profile away with Charlie Garrett. If they think I'm an enemy, they should profile me. That's the way I look at it because when you are, have evil intent, you are going to exercise that evil intent. And if they can monitor you without actually interfering with your rights, I have no problem with that. A team from the University of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania has developed automated computer facial recognition software that they claim can predict with 80% accuracy and no racial bias whether a person is likely to be a criminal purely by looking at a picture of them. By automating the idea of potential threats without bias, our aim is to produce tools for crime prevention, law enforcement, and military applications. So somebody walks into a store and you watch them. That's what you should be doing anyway. We spend billions and billions of dollars every year because people go into stores and steal stuff, and we are the ones that have to pick up that cost. Zero Hedge, I know if you disagree, I don't care, okay? I, I'm reading the article because I like it, yes. I'm just saying, it says it's non-biased. They keep putting that thing, but isn't that biased? Well, it's biased, but if you have a propensity, if I have a propensity for being ugly, I need to be called out for it. That's all there is to it. So I don't care. These things don't bother me. Yes, yes, at the airport. That guy's ugly. Watch him. Okay, Zero Hedge. China unveils pandemic fighting T1 smart glasses that see people's temperature in real time. Yes, a Chinese startup that develops augmented reality glasses for everyday use or for other applications such as in manufacturing and gaming has tweaked one of its products with a thermal sensor to create pandemic glasses. Such glasses can detect possible COVID-19 carriers by scanning body temps. 
Apart from fixed temperature measurement, T1 can provide portable, distant, and prompt temp checking, which would be a great help. The glasses have an infrared sensor and a camera that allow the wearer to see people's temperatures. Okay, so we don't need to have face masks because you can see that they have it and you stay away from them. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Upgraded versions are coming and will enable the wearer to take multiple readings at once in public areas. The evolution of scanning people with handheld or fixed thermal cameras will eventually transition to pandemic glasses. So go get yours today, kids. <laughs> Revelation plagues today. New York Post. The sun has entered a lockdown period, which could cause freezing weather famine. Okay, I don't want people to panic over this. This is what's known as the 11-year sun cycle. The sun, uh, every 11 years, loses its sunspots, and the weather changes around the world. This one, however, is a little larger and more pronounced than others, and they've gone back in history, and they say that this could cause some problems. If that's true, hey, the rapture might be tomorrow, and we'll be out of here. And so it doesn't matter, but whatever. Don't panic over these things, but I'll read you the article. The sun is currently in a period of solar minimum, meaning activity on its surface has fallen dramatically. Experts believe we are about to enter the deepest period of sunshine recession ever recorded as sunspots have virtually disappeared. Astronomer Dr. Tony Phillips said solar minimum is underway and it's a deep one. Sunspot counts suggest it is one of the deepest of the past century. So now they're kind of equivocating because it just said it was the worst ever. The sun's magnetic field has become weak, allowing extra cosmic rays into the solar system. Extra cosmic rays pose a health hazard to astronauts and polar air travelers, affect the electrochemistry of the Earth's upper atmosphere, and may help trigger lightning. We had a lot of lightning in the past two days. That was marvelous. NASA scientists fear it could be a repeat of the Dalton Minimum, which happened between 1790 and 1830, leading to periods of brutal cold, crop loss, famine, and powerful volcanic eruptions. I don't know how volcano eruptions would happen by the sun, but maybe it does. Temperatures plummeted up by up to 35.6 degrees Fahrenheit over 20 years, devastating the world's food production. On April 10th, 1815, the second largest volcano eruption in 2,000 years happened at Mount Tambora in Indonesia, killing at least 71,000 people. It also led to the so-called year without a summer in, anybody? Get a bonus if you answer, 1816. Also nicknamed 1800 and froze to death when there was snow in July. So far this year, the sun has been blank with no sunspots 76% of the time, a rate surpassed only once before in the space age last year when it was 77% blank. So we'll see where it goes, but they're worried about the world getting really cool. So it's not it's not global warming, that's a fact. From Epic Times, Wuhan locals describe panic as city experiences second wave outbreak. Yeah, that's bull. And I'm telling you this because they're going to be pushing this in a couple months when we get ready for the elections. So um, that's why I put that in there. And he caught on to it before I could even make my comment. Um, this is one thing you need to consider going back to the last article, if in fact this is true. And if in fact the sun is going into a minimum and we're supposed to uh, get out our winter clothes even in the summer, then we should probably use more fossil fuels, more, so that we can increase global warming and get the temperatures back up where they belong. Okay, mail online. Colorado health officials claimed drunk man died of coronavirus when his blood alcohol content was seven times the legal limit. You go two times over and that's lethal, I hear. You know, this guy's seven times over and, well, he died of coronavirus. <laughs> From CNN, 
Tensions rise between the White House and CDC as Burks critiques virus tracking. She's mad at the CDC. Good job. Senior admin officials, as well as top officials at the CDC in Atlanta, describe a growing sense of mistrust and animosity between the White House and CDC over how quickly the U.S. should reopen and how the government tracks data on the virus. In particular, Dr. Burks, coordinator for the president's coronavirus task force, has become increasingly critical of the CDC. Before I go on, the CDC, and most people here know this, but I don't know if most people on the internet know this, is not a government agency. It's a nonprofit organization. So they can't tell you to do anything. They can't tell you to do anything. They can make recommendations, and that is it. Making clear in recent meetings that she, Burks, is more than frustrated with the agency. Specifically, Burks believes the way the CDC gathers data on the coronavirus is antiquated, causing inaccurate and delayed numbers on both virus cases and deaths. Zero hedge. Breakthrough. South Korean study finds recovered COVID patients who test positive are not infectious. So they can't use this in November, can they? Then what appears to be yet another strike against public officials like L.A. County's Barbara Furr, who's insane, that is, Democrats and others who insist that lockdowns should continue, perhaps until a vaccine has been discovered, and that police should punish anyone who dares violate these orders. A study from the Korean CDC has found that patients who test positive for COVID-19 after recovering from the illness appear to be shedding dead copies of the virus. Good job. Uh, you know, people are so scared of this. I was telling somebody this a day ago. I was in Publix coming out after having gone to the post office, and I was walking down the aisle. Okay, I have every right to. There's no aisle saying you have to go this way or that. I'm walking down there, and this lady comes around the corner to come into the aisle, and she sees me. We're almost face-to-face. She had her face mask on, and I didn't. She was so panicked. She went, oh, and she backed up, and almost she tripped over herself and almost tripped over, a, a you know, one of those displays. Just unbelievable. People are just... They're, they're scared to death because they watch CNN. Morality today. Speaking of CNN, it's right here. U.S. Navy grants first waiver for transgender service member to serve under their preferred gender. The U.S. Navy. Can you imagine that? The acting secretary of the Navy, who should be fired, has approved a specific request for exemption related to military service by transgender persons and persons with gender dysphoria. This service member requested a waiver to serve in their preferred gender to include obtaining a gender marker change and being allowed to adhere to standards associated with their preferred gender, such as uniforms and grooming. Yeah, zero hedge. United Nations. I hope you've seen this article. If you haven't, you're probably going to be violently sick before I'm done with it. United Nations claims it's politically incorrect to say husband or wife. The United Nations, they published this this past week. The UN has put out a tweet asserting that people shouldn't use politically incorrect terms like boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, and wife in order to help create a more equal world. What you say matters. Help create a more equal world by using gender-neutral language if you're unsure about someone's gender or referring to a group. It then lists a number of terms alongside their politically correct alternative. These include mankind, chairman, congressman, policeman, landlord, boyfriend, girlfriend, manpower, maiden name, fireman, and husband slash wife. So I can no longer call my wifey a wifey because they won't like it. So I, I gave them a very nasty tweet in return. I don't remember what I said, but it was something about my, my wife. Could have been, so you don't believe in science. Yeah, so you don't believe in science. Exactly. From our other category, the Epic Times. 
money for illegal immigrants in California starts being distributed. I was talking about this. Here it is. California officials are starting to distribute financial assistance for illegal immigrants affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Each illegal alien, now listen to this, listen to the brain of these people. Each illegal alien can receive $500 in direct assistance if they qualify with a maximum of $1,000 in assistance per household to qualify. People must provide proof that they're an illegal immigrant. Can you prove that you're illegal? I'm sorry, I have no papers, man. Oh, here's your money. You just tell them you don't have papers and they give you your money. Can you imagine this? They have to prove that they're illegal immigrants and then you can get that funds from them. And yeah, and this is your, I'm talking about California, your tax dollars are being used to do this. They must also show they're not eligible for federal COVID-19 related assistance because they couldn't because they're illegal and have experienced hardship as a result of the pandemic, which everybody in the country has experienced hardship because of this pandemic. Oh, some 150,000 illegal immigrants are expected to receive financial assistance if that projection holds 75 million California tax dollars will have been wasted on this. And they can't pay their bills and they're asking the U.S. government to bail them out, but they're doing this. Gateway Pundit. Newsom's budget closes veterans, nursing home, but gives $80 million to illegal aliens. So they're closing veterans' homes, yes. People that have served this nation, they're taking those away to fund these people. From uh, Mail Online, Amazon Rainforest could, I knew this was coming, and here it is. Amazon rainforest could spark the next pandemic because human invasion on animal habitats contributes to emergence of coronavirus-like diseases, expert warns. What is it that they were doing for the past eight months? Belittling Bolasano, telling him that he is out of control. They hate the guy because he's a populist. And they're saying that you are the cause of all of this forest fires in the Amazon. You're ruining the Amazon when none of it was true. There's no more fires than before. And if you took the Amazon fires and you put them against Africa's, they were teeny. They were insignificant, but not a word of that. But they've been doing this because Bolsonaro is the president of Brazil. And so now they are using COVID-19 against him as well. Researcher warns the Amazon could be the biggest coronavirus pool. David Lapola suggests the area's biodiversity could spark the next pandemic. Humans are invading animal habitats and could contract zoonotic diseases. These diseases are passed from animal to human, like the novel coronavirus. I checked, he's a lefty, of course. From Zero Hedge, we need help. Cuomo demands federal assistance and claims coronavirus has left New York State $61 billion in debt. Yes. Yay. Yay. Federal aid is the only feasible alternative for the state to manage such an incredible burden without essentially being forced between a rock and a hard place, with the only alternative being a combination of draconian spending cuts and confiscatory tax hikes. How about doing what Trump did, lower the tax rate, and the economy will be stimulated, and it worked. The pro- or re- electing a Republican. The problem, we'll get to that in a minute. The problem for blue states like New York is that they fund their generous state's budgets primarily with income tax and sales tax revenues, both of which have dried up during the crisis. At the same time, since Trump delegated most of the responsibility for the on-the-ground, wisely he did this, on-the-ground virus response to the states, spending has soared. We have a significant economic problem in the state, Cuomo said. It is the collective of all the other economic problems. And when you add up all the problems, it's a $61 billion hit to the state budget. 
They bailed out the billionaires and millionaires and the corporations, Cuomo said. Did the Trump administration really forget the little guy, as if New York is a little guy? The fact that many non-essential hourly workers in New York State are earning more sitting at home than they did at work should be enough to disabuse readers of that notion. And we don't hear, here it is, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who leads a state with no income tax, complaining about how the rest of the country needs to pitch in. We have no income tax, we have low tax rates here, and we are fine. It's because they waste money up there on crazy things. Did you know we're more populous than uh, I believe that. You know, when my dad moved here in 1948, I think he said there were three million people. It might have been two million people. That was a that was a nice place to be. Yeah, but there were a lot of mosquitoes. Even when I was a kid, we had to run after the DDT trucks just to not be bit by mosquitoes. It's true. They would they would come down. The island only had about uh, two thousand people on it when I was born. When Dad was moved there in 1948, there were two hundred people on all of Siesta Key. About two thousand by the time I was born. And what they would do is the DDT guy would drive down the road. And he'd pull in backwards into every single property, because there are only a few houses out there. He'd back in, and he'd turn on the machine, and he would fog everything until the whole property was completely, you couldn't see anything. And then he'd start pulling out, and we'd run down the road after him because it was fun. There's nothing wrong with us. From Summit News, bizarre EU-funded comic book. Listen to this. This is amazing. This is true, too. I checked. I went to the EU website to make sure this was true. Bizarre EU-funded comic book predicted pandemic with globalists as saviors. Yeah, a strange, you can go online and read it. It's right there. Go to the EU website. A strange comic book that was commissioned for publication by the EU in 2012 eerily predicted almost exactly what has unfolded with the COVID-19 global pandemic. However, in this propaganda-laced presentation of the outbreak, unelected globalist bureaucrats save the planet. The comic book titled Infected was a production of the EC's International Cooperation and Development Arm. It was not intended for widespread public consumption, but instead to be distributed inside EU institutions. Only a few hundred of the comic books were made, but you can see it online, the whole thing. The EU's description of the strange publication states that while the story may be fictional, it is nevertheless intertwined with some factual information. The graphic novel depicts scientists inside a lab in China experimenting with deadly pathogens. A wannabe hero time travels from the future, alerting authorities to the coming pandemic and presents an antidote before quickly becoming the target of opportunists who want to steal the cure and sell it to drug companies. The story features the transmission of a novel virus from animals to humans in a crowded, wet market. Indeed, imagine if you were infected in this market by a new contagious agent says the UN Chief's Advisor on Contagious Diseases, adding, you probably wouldn't even realize it until the end of the incubation period. It sounds just like what we've been going through. The publication suggests that air travel would exacerbate the spread of the disease, with the character adding that you'd have headed back to Europe, the US, Latin America, or Australia as planned via an international airport. The cartoon depicts the future of a global health organization to act quickly enough to stop a pandemic. It also predicts draconian safety measures, including social distancing, which make it everyday life totally unbearable. The piece concludes with an European Union Parliament hearing in which Brussels pushes for more integrated European cooperation on global health matters, mirroring a real-life initiative known as One Health. The globalists are lauded 
for helping develop and distribute a vaccine to the world. In 2020, in reality, the EU has pandered to China and bowed to censorship regarding the virus outbreak. The EU has also been heavily criticized by member states and insiders for monumental failings owing to internal bureaucracy. The EU's science chief even resigned due to the inept coronavirus response from the institution. In the Eurocrats' own fiction, globalism saves the planet. In reality, it ends in mass death and global tyranny. Isn't that interesting? Go online, you can see it there. What's it? Yeah, it's a playbook. They just had a playbook out there. From CBS LA, Santa Ana Police Department. Robberies increased by 50%. Suspects using face covering orders to their advantage. Yes. From the Epic Times, J.C. Penney to close 242 stores after filing for bankruptcy. Epic Times, Pier 1 imports to close all 540 stores amid pandemic forever. Epic Times, Buy American deregulate, innovate agenda to drive comeback from COVID-19, says Navarro. Good job, President Trump and his administration. Got a lesser here for you. Pastor thinks he's been preaching a half. His parishioners think that's a gaffe. No less than an hour while iPads, they scour to find memes that will cause them to laugh. There you go. Good one. And then we have a couple of ironies. This is entitled Unmasking. Okay, the first one, I know it's kind of perverse, but it is unmasking. It's from USA Today. This is kind of like something we did an irony on from the Czech Republic about a month ago. Pole dancing and hand sanitizer. Wyoming strip club reopens with masks on. Close off party. Yes. And then from Western Journal, Unmasking. Brennan, furious after Intel chief unmasks individuals who unmasked Flan and thought they'd get away with it. That is ironic. Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update of the Week.